The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Fucking... the two-man power trip of wrestling i am jp john pause and with me today is a former wwf superstar a great comedian and the greatest impressionist of all time he is mr jason sensation jason how you doing today sir i'm good sir thank you very much for that intro i really appreciate it thank you I was kind of uh, surprised not not surprised sorry my cat's popping up in here but uh, not nice. surprised but well, I sent you the list of, you know, like all the guys I've interviewed. So if you're like, I can uh, imitate, you know, that whole list. I was like, not that I'm surprised. I know you can do it. But I was like, well, that's a lot of guys you can impersonate. Holy crap. <laughs> Thanks. I got pretty much, I think, over 100 wrestlers. But uh, wow. they're mostly guys from the um, from the uh, legendary era and the attitude. Yes. Era. Yeah. So what's been going on with you? How you doing? What's good? Like, what's uh, going on in your world? I'm doing OK. It's a. Uh, it's it's been a, it's been a a beautiful wonderful year so far, and I'm grateful for this year. It's 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 like I feel good about this year, and I'm just uh, looking uh, forward and trying to stay positive. And uh, I got this new podcast starting, and I'm really excited about it. And it's a long really? time in the making, so the fact that it's coming out this year, I just feel like this is going to be a really great year. So I'm I'm doing my awesome. best to stay my best, and I don't know. I'm feeling good about it. Thanks. That's How are you what's doing? the? I'm doing very, very good. I uh, keep him busy. Can't uh, can't complain. But what's your new podcast about? Um, it's basically it's a, uh, you know, it's pretty much it's uh, di- It's uh, I'm working on it with my friend, uh, the hypnotist Dave Curran, and uh, he's a hypnotist. He's, so yeah, we've known each other for I don't know over 20 years. We met back in when I was in the WWE, and he was doing a wrestling rap online. He was doing these wrestling raps online before they, they were even podcasts. So anyway, um, on the t- telephone wrestling rap line. Anyway, so we, we've actually been wanting to do this for like over 20 years, but now it'll be like dissecting into my time in WWE and what I've done in my career after and kind of going into the ups and downs of my life and 
kind of, you know, take everybody on the roller coaster that's been my life and maybe touch on some, you know, issues that are in the news, like mental illness and things that might have some stigma on them that I could help with that I've been through, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. It sounds great. And, uh, you know, obviously if, if your buddy's a longtime fan, that's like a good connection too. Cause I know you're a long lifetime, uh, lifetime wrestling fan. Yeah, that's true. I've loved it my whole life. I don't know if I love it as much anymore, but it'll always have that part of my heart that I grew up with it. Yeah. I'm, yeah. You know, the Hulk Hogan, Roddy Piper, Bret Hart days. I mean, I just, I miss those days, but yeah, the, the, I grew up with those days and I've been a lifelong fan, you know? Yeah, so you basically just fell in love with the business. You you just as soon as you saw it on TV, you just loved it. Yeah, I think um, my mom said my dad used to put me on his knee and mm-hmm. watch wrestling with me when I was still a toddler before I even had memories. But with uh, six different siblings, and I was pretty much, you know, the one he put on his knee and watched wrestling with. It turned, he turned me into pretty much the wrestling crazy fan. And my dad was so busy. It's a lot of the, uh, there's a lot of these same stories with the uh, wrestling fans and uh, their fathers is their, they found their bond and in, in through wrestling. So yeah. me and my dad kind of had that at first, but you know, we're really good friends now. And it's, it's interesting just being able to reminisce with wrestling with him. Yeah, that's very, very cool. I know uh, my father used to sell insurance to Pedro Morales, so that was a big thing. Wow. With him. <laughs> yeah, in, uh, in New Jersey, yeah. So I was like, whoa, Pedro Morales, oh my God, that's pretty cool. Cool. That's awesome. And I found yeah. this really old picture. I don't know what year it's from, but it's him and a Polaroid. It's from before I was born. Some sort of Polaroid picture or something so old. It's him. Uh, with Fabulous Mula, and she signed it, you know, to John. That's it, was his name too, but to John Fabulous Mula. I was like, wow, he must have been a bigger fan than like even he kind of let on, even though I knew he watched. So that's awesome. Yeah, Fabulous Mula's autograph. That's cool. Yeah, it's awesome. I was like, wow, that's awesome. That's so cool. Um, but as far as you know, being a fan, who was like the first guy you liked? Who was the first guy you started to follow? Would it be a uh, Hulk Hogan? Yeah, I would have to say Hulk Hogan that, that I remember. And, and my first memories of him would be a cross between the Rocky movie, the Rocky three movie. And, um, you know, I think, you know, just seeing him on WWF rest, I think it was the rock and wrestling era was coming in and was just after the Rocky three movie. So I, I was pretty much started to watch wrestling. I think around there, even though there had been some history where I'd watched it on my dad's lap, and I don't remember those days. So yeah. I get to see my first year, I was a major Hulkamania. I loved Hulk Hogan, and I, you know, he was my first favorite, I'd say. So when you start you know, falling in love into the business and really getting into it, when do you start saying to yourself, I want to become a wrestler, or I want to get into the business? Like, when does that kind of click for you? No, I was, yeah, I was a very young age, I think seven, eight years old, where I already was thinking, I want to be in here but I don't see myself getting as, you know, I've never, I was not an athlete as a kid growing up. It was hard for me to even hit a T-ball, but, and wow. I thought maybe I could um, be like mean gene. And so that was my dream at a very young age was I could be the next mean gene. And even I think it was WrestleMania six. Yeah. in Toronto Skydome Hulk Hogan versus the ultimate warrior. I got interviewed and, uh, by the Toronto Sun, the newspaper, 
And I put it, and it's there in writing in 1990. Jason hopes to grow up and become the next Mean Gene. So that's kind of cool. A little claim to fame there. Anyway. That is awesome. Yeah, little Toronto Sun. And I, I love, uh, obviously, if, if you could see in the background, I, I love that WrestleMania. I got the poster. Uh, Hogan awesome. Warrior. Yeah, it's awesome. I can see that now. Cool. Yeah, one of my favorites. What was so special about, I, I mean, I, I love Mean Gene. I thought he was great. But what did you think was so special about Mean Gene? Just the way he delivered everything, the way he handled himself, the professionalism? Yes, and and yeah, and, and is uh, absolutely like he was the best at what he did. I, I I still have not seen a better. I still think he's the greatest of all time when it comes to interviewing wrestlers. But um, yeah, no, that it was his. Uh, it was that as well as his bond with Hulk Hogan. And I remember some of the one of the first things I watched was a Coliseum videotape my mom had rented where Hulk Hogan and Mean Gene were training together and they were wrestling together and I don't know it just seemed like Mean Gene had such a strong connection with all the wrestlers that I kind of wanted to be in that position I thought it would be the greatest spot to be in yep that's where I stole this from I put the two-man power trip it's a Coliseum video logo that's where I stole that from yeah oh that's awesome just see that now look at us Mark Yes, for such a big mark, it's crazy. But those college <laughs> videos are awesome. Mean Gene drinking the, uh, the eggs and stuff, and Hogan oh, yeah. getting him into shape. <laughs> I love seeing some of the stuff now. It's so sad we lost him, but some of the stuff they put online now that some of the bloopers is so funny watching. Oh me. yeah, yep. <laughs> I never got to see that side of his sense of humor, you know, growing up. He must have been a riot to be around. Oh yeah, it's amazing seeing him like break Greg Valentine. You know what I mean? Like Greg Valentine's usually so stoic, and all those other guys like Kamala, and all of a sudden they're laughing and cursing and stuff because he just cracks them up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's so fun. I'd never even heard Kamala talk. Rest his soul. So <laughs> interesting. You know, I still go back and look for my hair and ponytail. Bruce Beefcake <laughs> cut this hair off like six years ago. Okay, I still look for it. Anyway, get over it. Oh Jason. man. Yeah, I'm man. one of those. It must be like a like a like a tick. You wish the hair was there. You're like, oh man, <laughs> my Samson energy's gone. No, nah, but anyway, I'm one yeah. of those guys. It takes me a lot to get over things. Now, mm. as far as getting into the actual wrestling business, like, you, did you go to Ron Hutchinson's training school? Like, where did you go to? Like, when you felt like I got to get in the business, I want to start getting trained, and I want to be involved. I think it was my sister calling um, Camilla Scott. There's this little local show we had in uh, Toronto and in Canada. We, we, there was like, it was like a talk show, like Ricky Lake. Uh, Camilla Scott was the host. And my sister called and said, my brother has a hidden talent of doing wrestling voices. At that time, I could only do two or three. So I didn't even know this was a hidden talent. And so once I was on that show and doing voices and then the crowd was asking me for voices I'd never tried before and they were coming out naturally, I thought, well, maybe this was my way in. So I kind of uh, did, I kind of started to create my character right from that. I can be a guy who does voices. How come I never put this together? And I could do the interviewer, but I could also do the voices. So I think it was then I had just finished broadcasting school or I'd gone to broadcasting school. And as soon as I finished, I started sending the videos off to WWE or WWF at the time. And WWE Canada, they 
WWE Canada was, um, they had an office and, and I think it was Carl DeMarco. Yeah. Running the office. So I started sending videos to WWE Canada as well. So just hold on one sec. This alarm's going off. It's driving me crazy. Yeah. What, what is this alarm? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's my other phone. It's playing my playlist. Oh, oh look what they're playing. Uh oh, like what is it? What is it? What look at this song? Standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm still standing. Okay. So get carried away here. But it's true. I've been through a crazy road. I'm still standing, brother. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you're still standing for sure. Well said. <laughs> Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. But as far as kind of doing that and, and start doing the impressions and you're kind of feeling it, like, how do you, I know WBF, you're sending stuff to them, but how do you kind of get like in, you know what I mean? Like, how do you actually break in? Yeah. So yeah, I was sending stuff, a kind of trying to be the next Doc Hendricks, mm -hmm. yep. which worked against me. But anyway, we don't need to talk about that stuff. But anyway, uh, come on, Jason. I'm going to politic with you. <sighs> anyway, but then, <laughs> you know, so I sent in the videos I made from the broadcasting school were all demos to get into WWE. I, I made them all about wrestling, and I made myself like the next Doc Hendricks. And so I was sending these videos in, but it was really, uh, I, I was kind of, I felt like I was getting a cold shoulder about it. And then, I remember Owen Hart letting me into the, I met him at a meet and greet. My girlfriend, Teresita at the time, uh, got me front row ringside tickets and a meet and greet in this Ottawa Corral Center house show. And I got to meet Davey Boy Smith and Owen Hart, rest their souls, for the first time in a meet and greet. And I was going so crazy doing these voices that I entertained them so much that Owen brought me in the dressing room and that led me to... Um, meet Carl DeMarco and uh so it was kind of like my foot in the door pretty much so Owen really helped me yeah so he was genuinely just a sweetheart of a guy I guess right yeah he's he was an angel I, I really think of him as a human angel I really look I look at his life and everyone he touched he's just he lifted everybody he touched he's just a I don't know. I, I, I've said it before, but he's the most wonderful man I ever met in my life. And, and I'm so blessed to have known him and to have had my life touched by his life. He's a special, special human being. It just seems like nobody has a bad word to say about him, like at all. I've never heard one thing. And you know, wrestlers, they love to bury each other. That's true. That's so true. Sad. But yeah, so true. Yeah. Yep. Out of context. Out of but anyway, what are you going to do? Yep. So who trained you? Like, how did you kind of uh, break in? Oh, so yeah. The once I was now, I was in, when I was in the company already, and I got stuck at the border right in the middle of the Owen Hart um, uh, angle that was going on. I got stuck in the border. I didn't have the right, you know. Uh, Visa. I didn't have, yeah, I didn't have the green card, so. I wasn't able. They caught me. They recognized me from Raw, and immigration held me. And I wasn't able to go back to Raw until uh, and cross the border into the states until I had the right documentation. That was going to take them months, so it ruined my angle with Owen, sadly. But um, during those months, you know, they didn't want me to go 
work for WCW. So I got a contract out of it. And then while I got a contract, I might as well, instead of sitting at home collecting money, I took the initiative to go get trained. Instead of being put in a farm team or flown out and moved to somewhere else to become part of a park, I took initiative upon myself while I was at home getting paid to do nothing to pay for myself to go through wrestling school and put myself through Ron Hutchison's wrestling school. So, yes, it was Ron Hutchison who ended up training me. That's great. That's pretty smart by you that, you know, hey, you know, I'm going to learn this thing and I'm going to get good and, you know, I'm going to really kind of hone my craft. That was really good on you. Thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. Because, yeah, yeah, a lot of people, I, I felt like I was treated a lot at that time, like I hadn't paid my dues. And maybe I hadn't, but I was willing to. And I was really willing to do anything I had to do to get to where I needed to be, you know. Yep. Now, you're, were you a bit of a smaller guy? Uh, obviously, you know, maybe nowadays, not with, with today's wrestlers. But then I'm guessing you were one of the smaller guys at the training school. Yes, I was the smallest. and. The benefit to that was when Trish Stratus started training at our wrestling school, her and I were the same size. And they said, and Ron was like, well, you know what, Trish, we're going to let you work with Jason because we (laughs) we just fit so perfectly. So anyway, that was it. That was special for me because I was a big fan of Trish and she was, she was wonderful to work with. Yeah. And it was just, I don't know. It's a little feather in my cap. You know, I got to wrestle Trish Stratus. We trained together. It's just, I'm, I'm proud of it. You know, she's, you know, look what she's done in her career. I'm really proud of her. She's, you know, she took that ball and, you know, she ran it right to the top. You know? Yep. You lucky bastard. She, uh, she's the, you know, she's a good one for sure. And a great wrestler actually as well. We used to chop each other. Woo. <laughs> 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 With, um, obviously, you know, Ron and, and Trish, who else was in there with you training? Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, I don't want to leave anyone out, but what, a, what an amazing class. We had the late, great Jaguar VJ Singh. Sorry, I don't know if you know him. He's just top of my head. I'm so sad to have lost him. We lost a lot of people last year with Tracy. You, yeah. were saying, uh, you were saying about all the guys you were training with at that point. Uh, yeah, so... Trish Stratus and um, Tracy Brooks was part of our wrestling school and um, flesh and Vlad, the reflections of perfection, two of my best friends. Um, we had sin bod high. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the names you might know. I know Adam edge and Christian worked yep. there, but it was just before me. They trained just before me. And a couple of times Adam came in and, chopped me and threw me around but yeah it was it was cool when he would visit the class um just because yeah everyone was you know you know working to get to where he was so it was cool to see someone who had been in that school succeed anyway um yeah i know i know i'll be leaving out names here because there were a lot of greats trained by ron i mean jillian hall beth phoenix i mean gail kim um, David Diamond, Tony Mac, my man, Tony Mac. I don't know if you know these guys, though. Uh, <laughs> Some of them, um, yeah, for sure, obviously. Yep. Really? Johnny Swinger came from that that school oh, as yeah. well. Yep. He had just graduated before me. And yeah, we had it. We had a stacked, packed class. Fuego, who helped me, tr- he learned a lot, and 
Yeah, but I don't know. I'm, yeah, I don't know. How long did you train for? I trained for about six months, and they said I had it. They said, you're a quick learner. You got this. So they threw me in the ring after six months, and I started working the indies. And that led me to actually getting a shot at returning to WWE and uh, going into the Memphis farm team as a manager. And so, yeah, it was. I, I think it was seeing me wrestling the, the, in an indie that made the news in an indie, and I think it was Ron Hutchison's connections that got them to say, hey, if he's doing this, we've been paying him to sit at home all this time. Why don't we? give him another shot. So they moved me to Memphis for the last six months of my three-year contract. Wow. That's pretty good. So who was like running Memphis at that point? Was it Randy Hales? No, it was Terry Golden. He was working with Randy Hales, but Terry Golden was actually in charge of us. And there was a major war going on between Jerry Lawler and Terry Golden. A lot of heat there. The story that I don't, I've never heard anyone really talk about, but there was major heat in memphis at that time and it was around the time that anyway uh so yeah it was around the time jerry lawler left the company so when he'd left the company it was too bad because then it was kind of like now we were just stuck with terry and you know he, i don't think he terry treated the talent very well uh, to try to be as polite as i can right but um tracy smothers was our wrestling trainer rest his soul that's how i got to know him and he was kind of like protecting the boys and he didn't, he wasn't protecting, he wasn't on, he wasn't, um, I'm not trying to think of the right words here. I'm like, I, I don't want to call him stooge, but he wasn't a stooge. Anyway, he, he wasn't office. He was more of the boys and they wanted yep. him to be office. And so Terry, like he wasn't. And so I think Terry got him fired. Terry and Kevin got him fired for that he was protecting the boys but i mean they put the boys through so much shit in memphis they were it was really i don't know but you if you could talk to anyone from that time in 2001 i mean i don't i don't know if there's anyone that will tell you a positive thing about being down in that training facility with terry golden and kevin kelly in charge it was not fun and they treated the boys bad and everybody was miserable and i mean i'm living my lifelong dream and i'm miserable it's weird. Yeah. You know? It's just, it's, it's just too bad, you know, but sometimes the underlings can make it, you know, shitty for the rest of them, you know, and it's just the way it went down. So anyway, I'm sorry to get into the negative, but it's some of the stuff I still need to let go. That's why I'm doing a podcast so I can let it all go, let it all out, let it all go. And it's not so much pointing fingers and going off the deep end. Like I have in the past, online burning bridges it's kind of like owning my own shit looking in the mirror accepting how i got myself here in my own life you know yep so, you know it's, it's almost like a little bit of therapy yes it's very therapeutic thank you yeah so as far as like wb your contract just ran out and that was it you were done or was there anything else like with them any sort of other business that you were doing with them yeah, my contract ran out, and then, they, yeah, they sent me home. I think one, I did one more job with them. In, but anyway, I did one more job with them, WrestleMania 18 in the Toronto. I did a fan access, did a comedy gig with Will Sasso. So that was pretty cool. The first time on WBF TV. 
Oh yeah, I think it was 1997. Bret Hart had won the world title, and from the Undertaker at SummerSlam, and he was coming home, and with the title, and I was one of the fans at the airport to greet him home, and I made it onto WWF TV doing impressions, right then and there, cheering on Bret Hart. So that was my first real appearance on Raw. That's and, awesome. And, yeah, it was so cool. Yeah, and that's actually how I remember when I first got in, they were like, you're that guy from Toronto Airport. So I'd actually made a little name for myself. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. It's pretty cool. And, and that Brett impersonation you do is pretty good. Oh, thanks. It's the best there is, the best there was, and the best ever will be. There's nobody that can do a Bret Hart impression like I can. In fact, I challenge anybody in the world to go ahead Go ahead and try. Try to be the best there is, the best there was, and the best ever will be at impersonating Bret Hart. And you won't be able to because I'm the best. And you know it. <laughs> See? Awesome. Yes. Damn. I love it. That uh, that really could have been Bret saying that. You know what I mean? They could have been Bret. <laughs> so what's like? what's next? What's like the next appearance as you're doing? Is that like when you start doing Owen? Oh uh, yeah, no, yeah. So no, I was after um, after I got my foot in the door with Owen that time. I think, oh yeah. Then now I'd met Carl DeMarco. Now he's seen what I can do. Now um, the videos are already in on file. Now Vince McMahon comes to Toronto to do off the record. Damn it, Vince McMahon comes to do off the record with uh, Michael Landsberg and um, Vince McMahon. Uh, no, Carl DeMarco introduced me then to Vince McMahon. He called me and said, Vince McMahon's going to be at TSN's off the record. You want to be there, Jason. This is your chance to meet him. Find your way to TSN. I'll introduce you to Vince. So next thing you know, Vince, uh, is in the middle of these two episodes he's filming. And I got to meet Vince McMahon in this, right in this moment in between him getting grilled by Michael Landsberg. And he was just getting grilled. So he wasn't in a very happy place. So I was kind of like comic relief. So it was perfect timing to meet Vince. And when he, I did Owen Hart, I was like, I am not an, I was like, Slammy award winner. Woo. And Vince's eyes lit up. He was like, I've never heard anyone do Owen Hart. He said, I bet you can't do Shawn Michaels. Nobody can do Shawn Michaels. And I was like, oh my kid, Shawn Michaels. And like Vince is, was like, well, we got to get you on air. So, I mean, it was that, that was the beginning for me. It was like Vince, it was a great meeting. Vince liked me and I ran to him. So yeah, I ran up, I ran over to Vince just as he was leaving the studio and I ran to his limousine sir, please don't forget me. And he said, I would find that very difficult. And he didn't forget me. And so the next thing you know, he gave me an opportunity to come down to WrestleMania for um, the DX public workout, WrestleMania 14. So that was like my next, that was like my first big shot with them. I got flown down to Boston, had never been on a plane. I got paid a lot of money that I'd never been paid for. I'd never been paid that much money in my life. You know, um, it took me months flipping hamburgers to make that much money. And um, 
yeah, it was just that was my first real real opportunity, and that led to a interview in May, where I I came in and I actually did an interview in Connecticut with Kevin Dunn, and where Michael P. S. Hayes had to politic with me. <laughs> he didn't want me coming in taking his on air spot. Oh boy, he sure took care of me pretty quick. Anyway. <laughs> Nice. Love it. Awesome. That's just stuff I need to get over. Anyway, I will one day. I'm, I'm working on it. But, do, you, uh, do you do a Kevin Dunn impersonation? Kevin Dunn. Jason. Jay. I've never tried it. He's kind of kind of got like a rat face. Hey, Jason, Jason. Jason, what I want you. Jason, I'm going to get you. It's almost like he's got that New York. It sounds like Russo, yeah. but it's not. It's, not. <laughs> it's like this one time he said, you want to talk to me? I'm going to get you to stand right. It sounds too much like Russo, so I'm not going to try it. But yeah, he told me to stand right here in this odd spot, and then he'd come find me. And he's like, if, if you move from the spot, I'm not going to talk to you because I've not been on TV for a while, and I was just like, why am I being messed with? But anyway, I stood in that spot for over two hours. I had to, I had to use the washroom. I, I, I couldn't leave this spot. And eventually I saw his truck rolling out of the building. It was just, he was just messing with me. So, oh. yeah, good joke, Kevin. Good rib. You sure got me there. Anyway, so <laughs> yeah, good times. But yeah, I don't think I can do a Kevin Dunn impression. You know, nobody really knows. Uh, maybe you do, but that guy, he, he can't be replaced. He does the job of like 30 people. <laughs> yep. he's, been, he's been Vince's right-hand man. He's pretty much... The head producer, he's produced everything since since Vince took over with TNT and everything. And I don't know. I just the guy's irreplaceable. I mean, no, he doesn't get the credit. He doesn't get the credit, even though he pissed all over. <laughs> he's awesome. And something that uh, I don't think I, don't, I mean, I never really released this kind of information. Nobody really needs to know. But uh, once a year, I talk to Kevin Dunn. So uh, he, he's been really, really cordial and nice to me. So um, um He's, I don't know, everyone has an opinion, but he's really cool. <laughs> it's not what you know, it's who you know, and that that's one's true. important. That's yeah, I know, but that's cool. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things like, well, I'm surprised. Tell me, talk to him. Tell him I said hello. And yeah. tell him peace, please. Peace. Yes. Uh, it's one of those things. It's like, oh, okay. nobody really uh, knows much about him. He's kind of mysterious, but he's like, you know, this big, you know, Wizard of Oz. You know what I mean? He's, he's the well man. Said. That as well as the Wizard of Oz is perfect because yeah he's the guy behind the curtain making a lot of magic. You're right. Yeah, without him, I don't know if a lot of this stuff uh, you know goes down the way it should. His production is is number one. Yeah, spot on. He'll, he will never be replaced. It's the best. So when you they bring you on to TV and you're going to play a part on TV, well, actually, even before that, after you leave the building that day, what like what's your position? What's your role? What are you going to be doing? So, or which day is this? Uh, when he leaves the building, he, he played the rib on you. Like, what's, oh, what's yeah, no, that was in the middle of me not getting any TV time. Now I have my contract, I have my green card, and now they're just not writing me back in the script. And so I took a bus down to Connecticut and went to one of the Raws just to talk to everyone to be like, guys, like, what's going on? What do I need to do to get back on? And, you know, JR loved me for it. Russo loved me. JR was like, so resilient, man. And uh, Russo was like, bro, this is what you need to be doing, bro. Good for you, bro. We're going to get you back on, bro. Don't you worry, bro. 
So I don't know. It just felt like Kevin messed with me for that night for some reason. And that was just a sad night. I tucked my tail between my legs and walked out the building and back onto the bus and headed home. So anyway, and I never found out. I don't even think I ever saw Kevin Dunn again. So. Wow. And Russo would have, I guess, eventually write you back in. He'd write you into the script as the Owen Hart, right? That's right. No, I was already, I had done the Owen Hart then. So well, I mean, well, he, back in, back in the script. Right. So, no, yeah, this, then he, you're right. He did write me back into the script by um, putting me in the nation, not the nation, the um, corporation parody. So now at that time in th that I'd come into Connecticut, it was in between the Owen Hart parody, the Nation of Domination parody, and the Corporation parody where I played Shawn Michaels. So yeah, he did get uh, it did work. It, you know, it, it got you know out of sight, out of mind. It it got Russo thinking about me again and got him thinking up another parody. But I mean, I think that was pretty much the last one. It sucked for a little while after Russo couldn't think of anything. He's like, bro, we can't have a an impersonator. We can't write him into the script every week. But uh, that was the initial plan. You know, uh, initially I was going to be impersonating someone every week, and I had enough voices that they could have let me do it for two yeah. years, and I would have been good. You know, so a different guy every day, every week for two years, I would have been all right. When when SmackDown came in, though, uh, I might have cut my career short. But anyway, if I was yeah. on both shows, but anyway. Yeah, like one time I was dressed up to play, uh, to come out like Hawk, and they just kiboshed it. And I was going to come out, I had the makeup and everything on, and they kiboshed it because it would have made it a joke when they were trying to make it serious and things like that. So anyway, but yeah. Then I don't know. When, when Russo left, it was kind of like, it was the beginning of the end for me. Really. So... As I never as knew as well. what to do with me ever again after Russo left. Yeah, seems like it, right? For uh, for sure. So the Road Warriors thing, I guess they were doing that very serious thing with uh, with Hawk. But can you do the uh, Road Warriors impersonation? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I was working. I got to hang out with them all day. Rest both their souls now. Jeez. Anyway, so yeah, animals like, oh, and it's hard to get into. Something we're doing impressions too. It's like you got to come up with the promo too. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you gotta think. Yeah, <laughs> so, I don't know. we're gonna rearrange you guys. I kick your stinking teeth and tell Mark, well, <laughs> little bull, <laughs> what a rush. It's not bad. I'd have to think of better lingo for animal there. Sorry, hey, Sorry. hey, it's good though. Good, good, damn good. Uh, impersonation uh, for sure i mean how do you like i don't know it's one of those things i i'm just curious because like you're kind of like a comedic genius where you can hear it and you listen to them and then you can imitate them like how does that process work thank you i appreciate that i don't i i really i i, I tested to my memory you know when i when i got my high q test i was just an average joe except for my memory my memory skyrocketed through they said you surpassed freaking professors and all this stuff. I went off the charts with my memory. So I think that it's, um, I think it has a lot to do with memory, actually remembering this voice and portraying it out. But the magic in it, the, the, real, the real magic, I think, is that 
I can't do any voice in the world. It's just it's, something has to trigger in here, and then it can. It's it. Uh, it almost has to be a voice that inspires me. It's uh, I, I don't know how to explain that, but I can't do Seth Rollins or Roman Reigns or a lot of the wrestlers from today. But I could do a lot of the wrestlers from when I was growing up who inspired me and these larger than life characters. And, you know, I'm sorry, but a lot of the times I watch wrestling and I see kind of the same monotone between each character. And it's, it's, there's not as much, there's not as much larger than life. I don't know. I don't know how to put it, but comic book like characters, uh, I don't know. Rowdy Roddy Piper, macho man, Randy Savage, the ultimate warrior. It just seemed like these guys had so much, so much of it. They are so much of a different aspect of wrestlers than what you see today. And they were the ones that got that magic going in my brain. I mean, I've, I've never had that click again for many years watching wrestling. And that's kind of sad, you know? Anyway. It's so true, though. The, I mean, they, that's the thing. They're missing these larger-than-life characters. You remember them literally forever, and they, you know, they make you feel. They give you emotion. It just, it's just something so special about those wrestlers. So I, I'll, I'll give you something here. Roddy Piper is going to be feuding with Hogan. Give me uh, the, the promo, like a promo of, of like them about the feud or, or, or wrestle. Okay. I'm uh, Hulk Hogan. Um, you know... I feuded with you all the way up and down WrestleManias. Um, uh, Hulk Hogan, we've been up and down WrestleManias from 1 to 21. And um, I think it's time, Hulk Hogan, that we find out who the man is, you son of an unnamed goat. Because I know that I can beat you, Hogan, and you've never beaten me. <laughs> As Hulk Hogan. Well, you know something, Roddy Piper? You're right, brother. You're good. You're one of the best. But you're not Hulk Hogan. And you can never beat Hulk Hogan, brother. And what you're going to do when Hulkamania <sighs> runs wild on you, brother? See, I told you. You were, you were just finishing the, the Hogan impersonation, which was awesome. It's just one of those things where it's like, I can't believe you could sound exactly like the guy. Just to me, just it boggles my mind. It's like, wow, how the hell can that possibly be? You know what I mean? It's, it's crazy. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. And it, I, I see it as like, I, I know I'm, I'm really grateful for this talent. It's, 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 it's magical. But I, like I look at it as a testament to Hulk Hogan and his voice and his character. I mean, it's just, you know, he got that magic working in my mind, you know? Is it almost like you transform into Hulk Hogan for like 30 seconds or a minute? Is that like kind of how it works? I feel like that sometimes, yeah. I feel like that. It's weird, but yeah. So like how does that process work like to I it's it's like mind-boggling to me because it's like, okay, I could do like a a macho man, but it's me. It's my voice kind of doing the macho man, but it still sounds like me. Yours actually, I mean, that really sounds like Roddy Piper. Thanks. Yeah, no, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's scary too. It's in, in its own weird way, you know, not in a bad way, but it's just mm -hmm. like nuts. But yeah, no, it, I, I boggle my own brain sometimes. And you know, it's like, I don't know. I can do these voices and then look in the mirror and I just, I mean, I'm just <laughs> not as big or strong as these guys, you know? So it's just, it's, 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 it's interesting. I don't know. I don't know what words to, to describe it, you know? 
As far as like those wrestlers, did they like you doing the impersonations? Do they think it's funny? Do they not like it? What's their opinion on it? I think the majority of them really got a kick out of me. In fact, I think I actually got signed to a contract because I made so many guys laugh. And, you know, there was a point, one of my first times backstage where all these guys surrounded me and I had maybe 30 wrestlers surrounding me, 30 guys that I idolized surrounding me, getting me to do voices. And I think it really, because of the way they embraced, all the boys embraced me, I think that's why I basically got a three-year contract. It's just something started to happen on the road afterwards now this was all fun and fine and dandy when everybody was getting entertained backstage but when it started to go out on the show before i did owen hart or even after i did owen hart during um i was out hosting and then i think as time went on and i started to they, they started getting me to host the shows on house shows so i would actually come out at the beginning of house shows and do impressions before the house show. Now, the problem with this is where it started to become a little bit of a problem because now um, I'm, you know, finally the rock has come back to Toronto or, Oh, you didn't know. Back. Oh, somebody. I'm doing this at the beginning of the shows and these guys are backstage watching themselves, you know, watching their gimmicks getting used. And then when they come out to do their gimmicks, it's not as big as a pop or they think maybe I took some of their pop away right. with, you know, you gotta, you gotta respect them for that. So as time went on, what I did started to work against me and it did start to rub some of the boys the wrong way. And some of the boys, you know, went behind my back and kiboshed my hosting job. It sucked, but yeah, I lost that hosting gig because too many guys complained about using their gimmicks. Yeah, I could see that, I guess. It's kind of, I don't know, a little bit petty on their part, but I guess I could see if they think they're getting a lack of a pop or something. Maybe a little paranoia on their part. Yeah, I guess it comes with the territory. Well, or maybe it spread over into my life once I was gone, but I don't know. <laughs> so as far as like Vince and stuff, is there any more like conversations with McMahon, not Russo, with McMahon? Are you guys still like having conversation stuff or is this one of those things where it's like you're off with, you know, the, the other guys? It's like Don and, and Russo and everybody else. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I was never one-on-one -on -one with Vince McMahon. I mean, there, yeah, there was just a couple of odd conversations. And I, I mean, the most time I, I, w I was working with him was that first time at WrestleMania 14 at the DX Public Workout. But after that, it was pretty much whoever he had in charge to tell me what to do. Uh, contract talks, a lot of it went with JR, Kevin Dunn, Bruce Pritchard. But yeah, I didn't talk to Vince McMahon much. I got to introduce my little brother to Vince backstage at Monday Night Raw. And he was very gracious. We spoke a couple of times walking back and forth. Uh, I, I met Linda without knowing it was Linda. And I was very nice to her and took her and showed her how to get into the building, just thinking it was a nice woman. And so I think that helped me out a lot because I found out after that she was Linda McMahon and she was like, wink to me, pat on my back because I was so nice to her. So I was like, all right, you never know who you're talking to. So yeah. and, and Shane and Stephanie were very nice to me. Shane stayed nice to me. Stephanie turned on me a little bit towards the end, but you know, I guess she, 
she kind of had to take on the reins of you know becoming a lot tougher because of the position she was going to be in so yep so let's just say jim ross is backstage talking to bruce pritchard and they're kind of talking about you well what how would that kind of uh, you know how would that go down <laughs> i don't know let me try i've not done a bruce pritchard but i'll give it a shot well what, what do you think what do you think oh i think he's pretty resilient what do you think <laughs> i don't know jr i don't like him I think he's got an attitude. I think his head's big. And I don't think he does voices very good. In fact, I don't even want to hear him talk. In fact, I think you should fire him. Well, hell, the fans like him. He gets over. He's over with the crowd. I know, but fire him. I don't like him. I want to cut all his hair off. I want to cut everybody's hair off. I love cutting hair. No, I got to work on Pritchard. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good, though, for not, not doing it for you. It's pretty good. Never trying it before. Thanks. What if... Uh, I love you! No, I... I whatever. <laughs> what if somehow, some way, the Ultimate Warrior uh, showed up, and you know he wants to talk to Owen Hart, you know, or maybe they're, they got to go over the match. What, what happens there? <laughs> I mean, you're, you're puppeteering me now. Okay. <laughs> okay, here we go. Warrior. Owen, what are we going to do in this match? I'll tell you what. You duck my clothesline. I give you the clothesline. Get up. Clothesline again. Then you get up. I clothesline you again. Big battering ram. And a splash. And it's over. Okay, Warrior. You can squash me. No problem. No problem. But I got to get something in there. So when I duck that first clothesline and you come back, I'm gonna toe, I'm gonna drop toehole you and you're gonna I can't I never take it a drop toehole, Owen. Okay, forget the drop toehole. We're gonna do a duck your clothesline crucifix, and then you hold me up and you lift me from behind and turn it into the press. Okay, Owen. Thanks, Owen. You're a warrior. <laughs> okay, Overboard. Nice. Is Owen? Oh, sorry. Yes, yeah, sorry about the bird. You got to be careful. The Ultimate Warrior is there. Just be careful. <laughs> is Owen one of your like favorite ones to do as far as impersonations? Do you or do you have favorites of ones that you actually do? Oh yeah, one of my favorites is a friend of mine named Mister El Sufi. I just love his voice. It's just something about about his voice. Hello, I am Mister El Sufi. I am the best. You are not the best, Magician. I am the best. Thank you. Very bad, Jason. Anyway, yeah, I love him. Lifelong friend of me and my family. Um, yeah, Owen and Brett, I love doing. I love doing those two. And I love doing Austin. It's a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, to Austin could talk about anything, and you could just make a promo, promo out of it. Like, look at this little laptop in front of me. It was been on my lap, and now it's not. Stupid little computer. Always got a little camera pointing in my face. Someone watching me jerk off. <laughs> See? Damn, that sounds like awesome. what you're saying before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not easy doing the promos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, uh, that sounds exactly like Austin. Oh, man. I'm not sure who that guy you were saying is, but he was funny. But uh, you're your lifelong friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mr. Al Sufi. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. <laughs> Who's the first wrestling impersonation like you ever did? Like, who's the first guy you're like, man, I, I want to impersonate this guy? I think Macho Man, yeah. 
and it was very popular in my family so and even friends yeah so yeah my brother was my elder brother was doing macho man and one of them and then i i started to do him too and i could do it better you know <laughs> yeah yep and I, I think yeah so macho man oh yeah macho man really feel freak out freak out oh yeah they got yeah anyway i lost it there went right into macho madness anyway awesome, could you see my face there or had it already snapped off no just just at the end you snapped out of it you snapped okay, out of the okay. slim gym just just at the end there <laughs> okay so that, you still caught it that's an awesome macho man though that that's a great macho man randy savage absolutely love that as well i feel like everybody tries to do macho man you know what i mean he's like one of the guys you know you tried hogan warrior stuff but i feel like macho man is the most mimicked or, or you know impersonated yeah. wrestler right yeah, I agree. Yeah, and everyone tried to off often imitated like that line, never duplicated. But yeah, everyone <laughs> used to do Macho Man back in the day. Still, people impersonate Macho Man to this day. Yeah, just saw somebody online literally earlier today. I'm not sure if it was for like um, our buddy Hannibal TV or something, but I saw somebody was doing a Macho Man impersonation like yesterday or, or, or earlier today or something I, I saw it on twitter i'm like wow still doing macho man impressions that's awesome <laughs> that's awesome yeah so cool but macho man is definitely i'd say he's probably the most mimicked or, or imitated wrestler ever i don't know i just feel like yeah. everyone because you can do the deep voice yeah you know what i mean you can, you can almost do it he's kind of <laughs> so, easy to do yeah exactly i agree it's too good yeah and yeah, everyone always tried to do my. I'm sorry, yeah, I still see it to this day. I mean, everyone wanted to impersonate the macho man. What was that line they used? Often duplicated. Often, Often imitated, never duplicated. There you go. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. What about the Nature Boy, Ric Flair? Do you do a Ric Flair? And then that was my second one I learned. And that just came out accidentally, naturally, when uh, my brother was brushing his hair and, and, the, and he had long hair. And he used to work out and he'd do these Lex Luger poses. So one day I was trying to get in the washroom and he was brushing his hair for so long. I finally popped in the door. I'm like, Luger, Luger, no one needs your hair to be so pretty, Luger. You want to brush your hair, brush it in your own room, Luger. And I mean, that was the first time I'd even tried Flair and it just came out naturally. Now I can even do a Lex Luger. Who, can imperson who else in the world can impersonate Lex Luger? Huh? Right. Okay, here goes. I am the total package. I am Lex Luger, four percent body fat stinger. I love you. Ah, come on, who can do yep. that? Yep. Well, yeah, you don't hear many Luger ones. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you do Sting as well? Sting's a tough one. I have. I've never really felt like I could get Sting down pat, but. I'll give it a shot. It's showtime. It's, 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 it's Joker Sting. Joker Sting. No, I, I'd have to work on it. He's like one of one of the top legends. I, I, I you know, I, I'd have to really work on it to try to do a good Sting. He's one of those guys where, he, I mean, he would do the ow and, and the stuff, but sometimes it's not like Warrior where he's getting into a character and he's good. You know what I mean? He Sting would get into the character, but not like boisterous. He would kind of use his normal voice a lot. That's right. And so, yeah, I'm like, it's, it's, it's showtime, folks. I can try to sound like his normal voice, but I don't feel like it because it's so normal. Yeah. You know, I don't know, though. Uh, no hey. offense, though. 
Oh yeah, it, it's one of those things where it's like he just is almost too normal voice cutting promos and stuff. When when Flair, you know, he's got the inflection, he's got everything else going. Macho Man, obviously, Warrior, they're doing this crazy stuff. Piper's going up and down. You know what I mean? He, yeah. Definitely different voice. Yeah, and almost like the Joker Sting, I can feel like I can impersonate him better. And it's, that was kind of like him pushing out this whole new character. You know, so it's interesting. Yeah. 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 So as far as yourself and actually like in the ring wrestling, having matches, you've wrestled some like big time names and, and some big time uh, legends, right? So who, like, who have you been in there? I know you've wrestled a duel, the butcher, but who else have you get, got in there and wrestled? Yeah, that was a crazy match. Um, so yeah, I've, I've, I've had a match with uh, Victoria, um, who was known as Tara and TNA. And uh, we we wrestled a few great matches in Memphis. Um, let me try to think of some. Uh, Kurgan. Yeah, that was a big match with uh, uh, Robert Maylet there. He's a great guy, man. I really, we got along really good when I was in the company. We had some great laughs together. And uh, the twins, the, the, the Megan boy twins, the guys who handle the Iron Sheik and Virgil, they're working on a rock movie I heard now. Man, he's good for them. Wow. Anyway, yeah, awesome. Anyway, they hooked me up a lot, like um, because we were, I don't know, I was kind of in their clique, friends with them. They would give me some of these matches where boys would be pissed at them, like, why are you letting Jason Sensation have this match? But I think, you know, they didn't pay me the big dollars so they could get away with it that way. All and right. also because it was, they, I, I, it was a comedy for them. I made them laugh and they knew how important it was to me to have these matches. So it was a win-win. You give Jason his little dream come true to help his career, you know, get a resume and then we get to laugh and we don't have to pay as much for a main event match, you know? So it was kind of a win-win. So really it's a testament to the twins for allowing me and booking me into some of these matches that I got them. But, yeah, when Kurgan was coming, I was like, please let me work with him. And they did. They let me work with this David and Goliath match. And, I mean, it was so much fun. I remember one point of the match, he's giving me a backbreaker, and I'm selling so good that he stops the backbreaker. And he's like, are you okay? Brother, I'm <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny that he, he cared too much. He was so worried about hurting me. He was like, what a good guy. But, anyway, I was really proud to have wrestled him. And he took care of me so well. Did you have the typical Abdullah Butcher match when you wrestled Abdullah? Yeah, we couldn't even get in the ring because of his hips were so bad, the poor guy. But uh, he mutilated me. I mean, I told him, he like he, Balls Mahoney, rest his soul, was there. And Balls Mahoney came to talk to me before because this was a shock to all the boys. This one was nobody would work with Abdullah. And uh, they asked me because no one would work with him. And Balls Mahoney was already booked and he was willing to come out at the end, but anyone else on the card didn't want to work with Abdullah and they were afraid of, and I wanted to show the boys my balls. It's like, you know, I've already all these years in the business. I don't get any credit for having balls, but I, I do have a nice set and I am tough and I can't stand and I'm not afraid and I will go up and I'll take whatever. And I, I kind of, all the, all the boys have always, I, I've always felt, yeah, I've always felt like I didn't have the respect from the boys of how tough I really am. 
And I, I felt like that night, whether it was in front of 10 people or 10,000, I, I felt like I earned that respect. Even just to myself, I felt like I proved it to everybody. But anyway, I still didn't realize what this guy was going to do to me. And I mean, he said he was just going to cut me one time and then he was going to mess around with that cut and it'll get enough blood out of the one cut. And he showed me the blade and I'm like, how clean is that? And I brought him this, uh, <laughs> so gross. But anyway, I brought him like this alcohol spray. I'm like, can you please, why do I need to do that? And I'm like, just do it. Just, just put the alcohol on it. So I feel safer about it. So he put the alcohol on it, but then he was still just wrapping it up into his dirty hands. And I was so worried about that blade. Anyway, then we get in the ring and I was so worried about the blade. I think I had mentally made it. So that blade wasn't going to be a part of the match. So the blade disappeared. Yeah. So I feel like I mentally, you know, manifested that blade to disappear because he lost it in his in his uh tape in his finger tape and he couldn't get it out in time so he called for a beer bottle at the beginning of the match smashed the beer bottle and he just proceeded to cut my head with the beer bottle glass and it wasn't the one cut he promised and i was overselling still like i i told everybody i'm going to oversell this okay but so I'm overselling and it's bugging Abdullah. He doesn't like it that I'm overselling. He's like, stop wiping the blood. Stop screaming so loud. So I'm like, fuck, buddy. I'm trying to make you look good here. So he yeah. was trying to make it worse to make me really sell. But I just kept overselling it. Like, he's going to kill me, someone. Anyway, but it kept pissing him off. And so he kept cutting me more and he cut me. I think it was, I think I found like 14 to 20 slices in my head that oh my night. God. It was a bad, it was a mutilation. And only time I got pissed at him was he took the fork and he put it in my mouth. And then I took the fork out of my mouth. And I said, you better fucking stop because I, now he had pissed me. And now I was, I was all cut up. So I'm all messed up. My adrenaline's flowing so bad. I'm still balls. Mahoney told me just, follow him let him lead this guy's leading me to death and then now he's going to disrespect me with the fork in my mouth and now i pulled it out and said you fucking now i told him you better fucking stop with my mouth and he did he left my mouth alone because all i had to do was kick him in the thigh and i could have won the match you know boom he's on the floor stomped on his face if it was a real fight he'd be done sorry abdullah you're not the nightmare you think you are anymore but anyway i i love the legend that he is and i respect him as you know, a legend. And I, I was, you know, really proud to be in the ring with him, to tell you the truth. And it was a proud moment for me to prove to myself that I could live up to fighting my childhood nightmare, you know? So, yeah. And yeah. I, you know, I, other than that, I think, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the match. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't appreciate some of the things that went on with financially for that match and whatever, but I'm proud of the match and I'm proud of the memory. And, uh, I'm grateful Abdullah didn't kill me and uh, all's well that ends well. Right. I didn't, I didn't have a, what, what, what was he spreading? You know, um, hepatitis. I ended hep up not, yeah. hep C. I was lucky to not get that. I'm lucky. I didn't bleed in that match. So I just count my lucky stars there too. You know? Yep. For sure. So as far as like you and like current WB, is there any relationship with them at all or no? 
No, not at all. I think I pretty much burned my bridges when I, I started when I started suffering from mental illness. I went online and I think I really burned my bridges saying a lot of the bad things. They're true stories, but just the way I went about airing my dirty laundry online, you, you know, you could you could burn your whole you could ruin your whole career that way. You know, it's it's, it's a career killer. And I was doing it, you know, way back when I'd first gone off the deep end and I first started to lose myself and I first started suffering from mental illness without realizing it and without being medicated and getting some of the proper help. And so, you know, I had, there were some people that, you know, exploited me for that and kind of took me on. Yeah, let's, you know, get him reared up. Look how pissed off he is. Give him his, you know, and, you know, they were, you know, basically nudging me and helping me to get out there. Anyway, I would call it exploiting. That's what I think yeah, it was. Yeah, for sure. It doesn't matter what, you know, you, you got to own your own shit. I'm the one who went out there and, you know, yep, yapped everything I should have been saying in a, in a, you know, psychologist or psychiatrist's office. And, you know, I burned my bridges, you know, the years before that, that I think it was I th- the way they let me go, the way they treated me before I got let go, some of the things that happened to me. And then the four to five years where they ignored me after that, I'm like, well, for those five, five years and for that, I think there was still opportunity for me to still have a career in WWE and still maybe have a career in wrestling. But um, when, as those years went by, then my mom died and it was the beginning of a, a series of events that led to me, you know, going pretty much off my rocker and I had a nervous breakdown. It's kind of a lot of the stuff began in the WWE and a lot of the things that happened to me in the WWE, they kind of started messing up, messing with up here. And when WWE's contract was over, it it really messed me up. I, I was really, it took me so much to come out from that. I was beyond suicidal. I was very, I was really messed up coming out of that WWE contract. So you know, I, I I was grateful to uh, to get another opportunity. To just someone recruited me to work a, a security job when I don't know. I was almost I was almost dead. I was rotting to death, and it was kind of a new grip on life. And I thought I had had another chance at life. And boom, some other piece of shit comes to destroy that. But that's life. You sometimes the, your life life is going to be a yin yang. It's never going to be a smooth sail. It's going to be an up and down. And that's what I've learned. You know, life begins at 40. I mean, you know, but you really start to get it at 40. And I don't know. I start to get it at 40. And, you know, I'm just like, well, life's going to throw curveballs at you. And you, you got to be tough and you got to be ready. And mentally, I wasn't strong enough to deal with it all. I kind of, I broke mentally. But I'm working every day on rebuilding my me, myself mentally. And, you know, I just, I, I, it's, it's a struggle, but we just, we, we got to keep trying, you know. Yeah, it's good to see you're in a good mental space right now, and, and you know you're you're realizing it and and moving forward, and and you know it's very very good and very healthy for you. Thank you. Trying, I appreciate that. Trying my best. Now, as we head towards the wind down and head towards the finish, I got to ask, what's like the biggest, you know, more positive stuff? Obviously, you know, like the like the good stuff about WWF. What's like the biggest moment? Would it be the Nation DX, um, the, you know, the impersonation, the parody? Like, what would be like the high point? 
Yeah, definitely. That that would yeah for those three years that was yeah the parody dressed up as Owen. When I came back into the dressing room, I had so much that the being out in the ring and then coming back in the dressing room, I had so much respect from the boys. I had done a good job, and I just felt like I'd my whole life climaxed. Everything that I dreamed of and believed in. All the times I was running up on stage at school doing wrestling voices, now it all led to the wrestling. When I was in the middle of a wrestling ring, the dream came true. I really made it. I I did a good job. I I, I did my best out there. I, I knew I was going to do good. And then, then I got that from everybody when I came back. And you mix that with the, the next week, it's sitting beside the King and JR and Shawn Michaels. And then Owen putting me in a sharpshooter in the ring. And I mean, just that whole two week, three week segment thing. I mean, that you can't top that for a wrestling fan. I mean, I mean, I don't know if I could go back and choose one wrestler to work with, I would choose Owen Hart, you know, and it's, it's, it's probably, it's such a perfect dream come true and all the stars aligned and made for this beautiful, wonderful, memorable moment that is still so happy in my heart. And so true to my heart. And I'm grateful for that memory. You know? Do you remember po possibly your best line? You know, you are not a nugget. Do you remember uh, saying that? Oh, yeah. I'm not a nugget. I think it was. And JR, I mean, uh, the king gave me a lot of the lines I'd said the week after. Like, I know I'm late, but my nose got here 10 minutes ago. <laughs> the king was shooting me all these uh, jokes before I went on. He was very helpful. He was like, to me, he was like the opposite of Michael Hayes. Michael Hayes, to, you know, sorry, but this is just the truth. Michael Hayes was out there politicking with me and trying to ruin my career while he was pretending to help me. While JR wasn't afraid to lose his spot, he was secure with himself. He didn't mind making me look like a million bucks, even though I could have been the guy to replace him one day. And that's how I attest to the king's such a great guy. And I'll always remember the king for that, you know. There's such a cutthroat business where everyone's so afraid of their spot and everyone's trying to screw everybody over. The king's not worried about a thing, and he'll just try to make everybody look like a million bucks. I, I I'm really grateful to Jerry Lawler for that. That's awesome. Do you do a Jerry Lawler impersonation? It's it doesn't. It, it's like Sting. It doesn't do it justice. Ah, the king, ah, puppies. I can like <laughs> shoot out different things like him, but I can't really. You know, I can do Andy Kaufman making fun of him. Well, that, oh. that field in the farms, that boy you talk down there on Memphis, Tennessee, Mr. Lawler. Dude. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's an awesome one, for sure. Now, what's going on with the podcast? When is it coming out? Where can we hear it? Like, what's going on with it? We've already recorded a ton of episodes. And, I mean, this is, you know, thanks very much for this, by the way. I appreciate oh, yeah. it. Thanks. I'm a fan of your guys' show, and you've done so well. So this is a, you know, you're doing me a huge favor. So thank you very much. I'm really grateful. Thanks for having me on. So yeah, no yeah. Where, where's it going to be? I'm not sure. Um, he's taking care of everything right now to get it online. So follow me at um, at Jason Sensation X on Twitter at Jason Sensation X and. More information will follow this week. It's going to be coming out next week for sure. So it's just that please keep watching at Jason Sensation X and all the details 
of where to find it, when to find it, how to find it will be on my Twitter. And uh, it's, it's debuting next week and it's going to be, a, it's going to be a riot. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I just hope to have some of the success you've seen. I think you guys have done an amazing job. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I, uh, I appreciate the kind words. Thank you so much. And of course, thank you for all the time tonight. I appreciate you spending a, a lot of time with me. Really, really appreciate it. Awesome getting to talk to you and oh, your pleasure. impressions get me every time. And your impressions are awesome. You are the best at uh, the oh, impressions. It's, it's, it's a form of comedic genius. There's no doubt about it. Thank you very much. That means a lot to me. Thanks for your very kind words. And I'm really grateful for you having me on as well. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Jason, appreciation. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother.